Hello, everyone, and welcome to another one of our team reviews here exclusively on the Cycling Day podcast. And as always, I'm joined by Patrick Blake of Audi of Cycling and one third of the Echelon podcast. And today we are talking about Israel Premier Tech. Israel Premier Tech, of course, got relegated from the World Tour last year. And this year was really on the way to the bounce back or bounce back to the World Tour uh, by the next relegation cycle. But uh, yeah, nevertheless, Patrick, their season this year, how, how have you found it? I think it was actually pretty good, in all honesty. Of all the sort of pro-level teams in like the pro Conti, I think we did really well. You know, Lot of Destiny being the other big one who who were relegated. And I think they've done a really good job of getting back on that horse of the UCI kind of system, like the point system, and, you know, not just leaving everything to the last year of the cycle, but actually starting off on a really strong foot. And we were just looking at their results before this recording, and we are mildly surprised, actually. They've had a very solid and respectable year, to be fair to them. They have sometimes been, you know, the last couple of years, there's been a lot of poking fun at the fact that they signed Chris Froome and all the money that's gone into him. And basically, where could that money have gone elsewhere in terms of riders that they could have brought in? But, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about that later in this podcast. But yeah, Israel, pretty, uh, it's a pretty decent year all around, don't you think? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Pretty cool. What you said there, the wasted money their return on investment but uh yeah Adam <laughs> has been quite vocal about that as well yeah no I completely agree surprising season for them in some respects and good on them for bouncing back it could have gone a different way obviously they had uh, some good wild cards in there as well but outside of kind of the uh, yeah I think they only they only went to the Tour de France they didn't go to the Vuelta España if I recall yeah in terms of other results it well for a pro continental team this is the bulk of their achievements obviously uh where where have they kind of picked up the strongest results in your opinion um i think it's been in the one day races they've done cool really well this year there's been a lot of riders stepping up of course they've got the sort of tried and tested mike woods in here as their ardennes leader but there was in my opinion, a big step up from the likes of, say, Corbin Strong this year was, I think, one of their main riders. He was their main sprinter in the tour, but he's definitely more of a, a puncher rather than an out-and-out sprinter. And, you know, he showed in a lot of one-day races this year kind of how successful he can be. He was also, you know, and Zolo, who they brought in, who I kind of forgot was in their team. You know, he did good on a couple of occasions. Of course, how can anybody forget Derek G? I know he didn't win, but... I don't think anybody's going to be forgetting that Giro d'Italia performance anytime soon from him. You just corrected me completely. I forgot they were the Giro. <laughs> Apologies, Israel. Yeah, how could I forget Derek G? But well, okay. I mean, well, you're jumping the gun here. Yes, yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm jumping the gun. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, it, it was mainly in one day races that I think they did. But yeah, there were over there were some okay performances in uh, like stage races and stuff as well and and then the grand tours of course so it was, it was relatively well-rounded actually yeah i mean i completely agree with you corbin strong definitely very strong <laughs> um pun the pun second in the gp quebec as well they had that incredible win at parry tours that went under well took a lot of people by surprise and Parry Tours, we've spoken about that before, that they kind of, it kind of goes either sprints his way or is it just a complete mess. And this year it was a bit of a mess. And uh, yeah, 
scattered things all over the place. Uh, Trobo Leon winning that with Nizzolo. Uh, sixth, Michael Woods was quite good. And uh, we'll touch on him in the Tour de France as well. But yeah, Patrick, um, you know, Rude Occitan as well. But 12 victories, are they happy with that? Like the quality of the victories, two national championships, obviously winning the Israeli road race, Dereji winning the national Canadian championships as well. But picking up the overall in the Arctic race of Norway, I thought was a quite an incredible achievement for them. Yeah, Stephen Williams definitely took a bit of a step up this year, I believe. I think he was in a contract year and I think he did a really good job of just showing himself as a, a very good puncher for them in the future, of course, with, like you say, Mike Woods. He was, I think he was yeah, 12th at Liège, inside the top 10 as well at Flesh Wallone. That's kind of like his bread and butter sort of race is, is Le Flesh Wallone. But I'm not sure if they'll mind too much about the number of victories because their main focus is on just UCI points um, accumulation. We saw from Arkea last year, they were very good at you know, in like those sort of Belgian sprint races, French sprint races, the kind of cup races, 1.1s, 1.2s, they get multiple riders inside the top 10 and the dot, well, it's dot pros as well. And and that would be the main point accumulate. And I think maybe Israel's focused more on that rather than victories. Maybe they'll sort of, maybe they'll take a switch into next year because I think they're good enough to kind of win more. Um, but yeah, I think that they've just been accumulating some good points and they'll probably be happy with that. Well, we might as well turn our focus to the one-day races or the monuments. I didn't think they featured in too many of them. None of them really sticking out. They've they've been up there in the past in the Pyro Bay, etc., in top ten. But yeah, um, other than the success that we spoke about, Paris Tours, Trobo Leon, which aren't monuments, Flesh Valone, they were even fourth with Mike Woods. I can't actually remember them doing well in any. Monument. I think they were Paro Bay, but definitely didn't see them. Yeah, I didn't see them. Oh, either. true. No, actually, actually, we did. Wasn't it Derek G who crashed on the into the, into the oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just looking back through their results, trying to see like Milano, San Remo. Like, it's I think the highest placing was Chris Nalens in twenty seventh. To be fair, they did do good in Ghent Bevelgum. I completely forgot. Set by Mark finished in third place in Ghent Bevelgum this year. We completely forgot about that. Of course, he is very I think he's sadly retired now, which is a just another kind of one to the list of kind of big names who we've unfortunately lost this year. But yeah, it's not we're not exactly, you know, hitting the upper echelons when it comes to for monuments, um, Mike Woods, I think, finished 12th at Il Lombardia. I think that might have been their their best result of of the year. Um, but they did do good in other ones, like you say, like I said, Ghent Levelgun, but Corbin Strong also 7th at the Grand Prix of Quebec, which was won by Arnaud Delis, insane, like, 25-second sprint or whatever, which was going to be a very hard one to beat, but I think finishing 2nd there on a water-level kind of race is, is really good. And, you know, Corbin was, in my opinion, one of the more integral riders, third at Franco-Belge, fourth at the Giro del Veneto. He won a stage at the Tour of Luxembourg. He was also uh, inside the top fifth at the Cadellavans Great Ocean Road Race. So he was quite consistent at just picking up points. But yeah, like you say, they're 
their monuments are certainly uh I don't know, it's it's leaving them wanting, I think. But I don't know, do you do you think that they'll do well, I don't know, that's more of a preview thing actually. I'll just leave that. <laughs> I was gonna say do you think they'll do better next year, but I think that's uh that's more of a preview thing. We'll see if they qualify for our preview list, but um <laughs> probably yeah, they were sixteenth in Roubaix with Satman Mark. So yeah, I don't think they crack the top ten, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't I agree with you. Uh yeah, definitely a monuments season to be improved on. And they have been better, as we said in the past as mm-hmm. well. But we might as well head on to the Grand Tours and start with the Giro d'Italia. Like you said, Derek G absolutely dis well, stealing the show completely. Yeah, literally he was just insane. I think everyone was really rooting for, for Derek G to get a win. And how many times is it that he finished in second place? I'm just bringing it up now. Once, twice, three times, four. Four times he finished in second place. Plus he was second in the points classification and the mountains classification, just to really add salt into the wounds. But there were other riders in the team which were kind of quite impressive in that team. I remember Marco Frigo was in quite a few breakaways as well. He, I remember him being in the break of the one which McNulty won when uh, Ben Healy was with in that break as well. I remember Frigo, I think, finished in third place there. But yeah, Pots of Viva wasn't quite hitting the mark with the, with the GC ambitions there. But I think that, you know, they can be quite happy. I remember Riccatello did all right as well. He had like final TT or something like that. Yeah, definitely. It was a decent Giro. I know they didn't win anything, but they were one of the more prevalent sort of pro Conti teams, I think, alongside like a, 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 an Aolo Cometa, personally. Um, so it was decent. Yeah, it's like almost a different beast. But uh, yeah, Derek G, what a superstar. Obviously, he extended his contract, did he, with the team as well? Pretty quickly. Yeah, but... until 2028. You mentioned, okay, this is bring back, but uh, of what you said earlier, Imagine if they spent the money they spent on Chris Froome on Honor Dilly and getting him a sprint train. They would be absolutely cleaning it up right now. But mm. this is not a Lotto Destiny <laughs> episode. We have much love for Honor Dilly, obviously. But uh, yeah, he can't infiltrate this episode. Tour de France, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, going there with their, well, not choosing to bring Chris Froome, which was quite a big story uh, at the time. But obviously, he hasn't really been the same rider since his 2019 Dauphiné crash but yeah Patrick what did you make of their tour um I think that the fact I mean start off they did get that stage win up the Puy de Dom with Mike Woods that was a very impressive ride because of his patience on that final climb to slowly reel in Jorgensen I think that was a really good victory but outside of that there wasn't too much going on I I do remember them being in the breakaway an awful lot like Chris Nalens, he finished fourth in stage 10 into Isoir. Dylan Turns cracked the top 10 a couple of times as well. And also top uh, Corbin Strong cracked the top 10 a couple of times too. So I think that, honestly, as a pro-continental team, I think you could argue that they were maybe the best one there. I know there was also, I would say that Uno X were very good as well, but I think that 
Israel might have been one of the most successful, if not the most successful, sort of pro Conti team in the race. The number of times they got the top 10 and a stage win. You know, Unix didn't get that stage win. I know that, you know, Scott does, you know, might have a, a slight bias towards Unix, but you have to admit that I think Israel did uh, edge them out as probably the best pro Conti team. Do you reckon that's right? Yeah, I think you're right. It pains me to say it, but yeah, you're right. I think, yeah. But it is that thing. It's a bit like in, well, I hate to make the analogy, but like in football where they they get relegated from the Premier League, but they have like everything. So they, they can, they're basically a Premier League team just in a different league. And it's a bit similar here. It is a World Tour team, but in labeled pro-continental. Um, yeah, but... Were they at the Vuelta España? Um, I can't even remember. I don't think they were. If, if they were, if it wasn't a it particularly wasn't, good showing. It was in the were they even here list. Yeah, I don't think they were in the Vuelta España. No. But yeah, I mean, all in all, yeah, I think they did pretty good in considering the Giro and the Tour. The amount of time we saw them in the camera, and like you said, the Puy de Dom victory was a really, really measured effort as well. Like it looked like Jorgensen was going to take that for a long time, and then just slowly wheeling him in, and then winning. Yeah, Mike Woods, but Mike Woods is getting older, so they can't quite rely on this Canadian for that many more years. But what a result for him! Yeah, that, I think it was his uh, it was his first Tour de France stage win as well, which almost felt like a I don't know, I swear like he'd he'd won one before, but like you say, he is thirty seven now, and you know he he isn't going to be able to produce these results continuously year on year. They're going to need to bring in somebody else. I do think that maybe Stephen Williams could do something similar, but yeah, maybe they might need that Chris Froome money in a couple of years' time to make some maybe some signings next year to kind of really bolster their one-day racing performance, because I do think they are quite good at them, so it would be a shame to sort of Mike Woods to kind of drop away and then they're just kind of like nowhere. Yeah, we had uh, Chris Nealands as well. Do you remember that in the tour? Yeah, I think he didn't he crash. <laughs> oh, yeah, I just remember seeing him up there in the break. Um, yeah, you're right, he did crash. He was in the break where uh, I believe I think it was Wout Pools won. It was the Wout on Wout fight. Yeah, I mean, I think... we talk about like how important it is to invest into new talent. Obviously, this isn't going to turn into a preview. But they did have one of the podium finishes of the Tour de l'Avenir in the term in the form of Matthew Riccatello of America. Obviously, he didn't win, but he was up there. Marco Frigo as well. Like there are a few younger guys. Sebastian Buick, he was up there. He lost the sprint. Uh, I think was it with Nico Dent, where he didn't even do a turn in the Giro. Um, that yeah, w- that was quite funny to be honest. I've never seen someone in a breakaway just being disregarded so hardly that they're like, you can't sprint to save your life. So yeah, you can just sit on. You won't challenge anything, and yeah, it didn't really happen. But uh, yeah, what did you make? What do you make of like the the younger riders? Because we we've 
definitely been part of that kind of joke of saying that they're kind of just a retirement home uh, for many of these riders. When you look at Chris Froome, 38, Jakob Fulsang, 38, Ben Hermans, 37, as you said, uh, Woods, 37, uh, Pozzavivo, 40. So, yeah, it's not like it's coming from nowhere. Yeah, I think with, yeah, maybe the retirement, some riders getting on, maybe they'll kind of have a bit of a rejuvenating period soon. But like you say, the young riders were really good. It's easy to forget we haven't, I mean, we talked about his Parry Tours victory, but Riley Sheehan, who came in as like a development rider and just won Parry Tours and then did good in the Japan Cup and now he's going to some national level team. I'm quite surprised they didn't hold on to him. I think that would have, I think they should. I think he looks like a right star for the future. But like I say, Riccatello, really good at Tordal Avenir, obviously a big prospect for the future. Showed his climbing ability on that, you know, that TT stage of the Giro d'Italia, the, uh, the the last one, and you know he was really good climbing there. But also, like you say, Frigo, he was very good in the in the Giro, and. Yeah, Corbin Strong, like I've already mentioned, put lots of praise on him. I think that they've got quite a lot of riders to be excited about going into like the following years to really sort of build a bit of a bit of a climbing stage hunting team. I'd kind of classify them as a bit like an EF type, possibly in terms of their speciality. They're not like a GC team, not really like a sprinter team. They're definitely a, a one day racing stage hunting kind of team. I think that's a very good summation there. But yeah, we might as well come to our favorite part of these team reviews. What are you going to give them? Bear in mind, they are a pro-continental team. What will you give them out of 10? Yeah, based upon the fact that they're a pro-continental team, I think that they... I don't know, because last year, 2022, they did get two stage wins in the tour. I'd say that kind of the, the one Grand Tour stage when, like you say, they are kind of like a World Tour team kind of in disguise. I think I'll give them a 6.5 out of 10. Yeah, I, I agree with your sentiment. I think it was so stupid letting the Paris nice, uh, Tour winner go, but yeah. that was done beforehand. Also, the guy who beat Miguel Angel Lopez, I think you brought it up in the echelon. Yeah. In the Joe Martin stage race, yeah, yeah, I, I just don't get how how he's gone to a national level team like this American talent. I'm surprised Trek aren't on that at uh, Lidl Trek. I'm surprised EF aren't on that. You know, it just seems a bit it blows must, my mind. Yeah, there must be some sort of clause in his contract. If a bigger team come looking for me, I I just go because some of the yeah. continental teams have that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, in terms of my grade, I'll give them a 7 out of 10 because, yeah, winning Paradis, winning a tour stage, pro continent yep. team, Derek G, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's, that's probably more fair than mine. <laughs> but anyways, that's it for our episode here of Team Reviews. Make sure to check out the YouTube channel, The Cycling Day in Extra, where we do have some of these in video form. But um, yeah, and check out Patrick's channel as well, How Do Cycling. And of course, we have the other podcast. It feels criminal to advertise a podcast on a podcast, but the National Cycling Podcast every Monday. But with that, thank you very much for watching and look out for the next team review here on the Second Dane Podcast. And as always, thank you for listening and we will see you around.